Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. sermon series. In other words, we're, we're, we're getting out of Mark. We've been in the Gospel of Mark going verse by verse, uh, but we're getting out of Mark just for four weeks. And for these next four weeks, we're going to jump into uh, Exodus 6, 6 through 7. This is actually a sermon series. I don't, I don't usually re-preach sermon series. I don't, I don't do that. But this is the one sermon series that I have re-preached multiple times. So uh, when we first launched the church back in 2015, uh, our first Easter, I did this sermon series called The Four Cups, based off of a book um, by uh, uh, Chris Hodges. And uh, he, wrote, he wrote a book on the four cups, and it's obviously based off of scripture. But um, it, it went so well, and it, I think it so well defined who we are as a church, what our heart is, that I said, hey, let's just do that again next year. So the very next year, we preached the same sermon series, obviously mixed it up a little bit. And then the next year, we did the same thing. And then the next year, we did the same thing. So the first four years of the church, uh, everybody that was with us in those days, you heard about the four cups. Uh, you know all about it. Hopefully you have it memorized by now. Um, so that'd be great. I'm going to call some of you up to come in and preach for me in different parts, and it's going to be fun. Um, but no, uh, I, I, we were praying about this year, and we really felt like, man, we need to get back to some of these things that we have always believed, and uh, we just need to proclaim them and teach them because we got a whole bunch of new people that, that weren't here during those times, during those days. And so we're jumping into the four cups and it's only going to be four weeks. So it's just for the month of January, but we're going to look at the four promises that are found in Exodus chapter six, verses six through seven. And the reason why we call it the four cups sermon series is because during uh, the Passover, which is kind of what we took today, we took communion today. Well, that's similar to the Passover that Jesus would have taken with his disciples before he was crucified. And the Bible tells us that the night before he was betrayed, that he gathered his disciples together and he said, I've been, I've been looking forward to taking this meal with you, this communion meal. And he said, this is actually going to be something, an ordinance for you to do after I'm gone, right? And that's how he established that we are to remember him in that way. Bless you. And, uh, and, 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 and in that meal, though, we obviously don't have the entire meal. We just have a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice. They would have an entire meal that also included um, four cups of juice or four cups of wine. And uh, they would drink them during the meal at different points in the meal, different parts of the meal. And each time, each cup represented a different promise. And so as they would drink the cup or drink the, the wine from that cup, they would, they would read the promise of God that God had given Moses in the book of Exodus. And so just for context, uh, uh, Moses has been sent to Egypt to help the people of God get out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt, all right? They've been in bondage for 400 years. And God sends Moses, and this is what he says. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's the first promise. The Jews call it the four I wills. So the first promise is I will bring you out from under the yoke or the burden uh, of the Egyptians. The second one is I will free you from being slaves to them. 
And I'm going to preach about that next Sunday. He says, and then I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Finally, the fourth I will is I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you up out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So today I want to talk to you about the first promise of God for his people, right? Uh, some, I guess, 4,000 years ago or so, 3,500 years ago. But I don't believe that it's just for them. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his plans and purposes haven't changed toward his people. And uh, if you are here today, and if you believe in Jesus, then you are part of his people. And he has some plans for you. He has some promises for you. And uh, specifically, throughout Scripture, we see these four promises just echoed uh, again and again and again. And so I, I want to dig into the first one, which is where God says, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from under the bondage of the Egyptians. And uh, so we're going to jump into that. But before we uh, do that, I do want to read a little context about what was happening to the people of Israel at that time and see if you can relate it all. Exodus chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 14. Uh, the, the, this is the beginning of the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. It's setting the stage for what's going to happen. And, and it's following up actually from the book of Genesis where, where uh, uh, Joseph was, uh, uh, um, he was sold into slavery into Egypt by his brothers. And then God used him in Egypt to provide for Egypt and for his brothers. And then his brothers and his father ended up moving everything that they had, their family, their livestock, everything. They moved to Egypt because there was food there. There was provision there. There was favor there with Joseph. Joseph was the second in command over all of Egypt. And so, uh, so he had a pretty good setup there. And uh, we see that in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, that something has shifted. The Bible says that then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. And this king said, look, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. <laughs> So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they, they made them build Pitham and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. It's, anytime you see oppression, there is fear involved <clears throat> in that oppression. The Israelites were, it was the potential, it was their potential that caused the Egyptians to oppress them. And so they oppressed them and they are in dread of them. And so in verse 13 says, they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar. With all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. And so we see then that there's a problem for God's people. For 400 years, they are worked ruthlessly. Specifically, the Bible says, with regard to brick and mortar. Now, I don't know if you've ever been over into Egypt. Even to this day, 
Um, the way that they make bricks and mortar there is different than the way that we make bricks and mortar here. Um, a lot of times they still, I think it's called the adobe style. Many countries around the world still make bricks in, uh, uh, out of the adobe style, which is basically to take mud and uh, mix it in. I think they put some limestone or some salt in there and uh, they mix them in and then they, 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 they form uh, the mud and leave it out in the sun until it bakes and becomes hard. And in many places in the world, they're still building buildings just like this. And actually, it's pretty durable. I don't know if you've, you've, you've seen any pictures of Egypt, but some of those structures are still standing. <laughs> Um, it's kind of more durable than some of the stuff that we use. So I don't, I don't know how all that works. But, but the way that it works is you go out into the desert and you have sand. And then you add water to the sand and you mix up that water. And so, man, I've seen videos of people making these mud things. And they'll go, they call them like mud pits because they get about waist deep in the mud. And they have to just churn it and churn it like with their hands and get down in there. And just walking through it churns it. That's some hard work. I don't know if you ever tried to dig on the east side of 35 before when, like, when it's wet and you have that, that gumbo and it sticks to your shovel and you're trying, and then it sticks to your shoe. And then it, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that where you're, you're having to wade through this and you don't have tools. They didn't have tools. They didn't, they had to use their hands. And so they're in the dirt, they're in the mud, sifting and cultivating, churning it up. And it's interesting when you watch some of these videos, like the, the mud pits will be steaming, like steam will be coming out of the mud pits even though it's like 130 million degrees outside in Egypt with the sun beating down, it's, the mud is even hotter because of the stuff, the activity that's happening, the way it's being churned. And so when we talk about being worked ruthlessly, we really mean, I mean, this was difficult, difficult, difficult work that the Israelites were in. And they were, so when God says, I will free you, I will take you, I will take you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He's talking to a group of people that are so beat down, that are so burdened down, that are so oppressed that, you know, they, like they don't have any excess energy to do anything. They don't have any excess energy to dream about a better life or a better future or how to maybe to escape or anything. No, they kept them so burdened down. That, that weight was so heavy on them that they couldn't look up, that they couldn't plan, that they couldn't even dream. In fact, when Moses goes and tells them, hey, guys, God sent me. He's going to deliver you. You know, they, they weren't like, woohoo, this is great. No, they didn't believe him. They were like, well, yeah, right. How's that going to happen? Why? Because you can get so burdened down that you, that you lose even the capacity to hope. You lose even the ability to dream. You lose even the foresight and the insight to recognize when God is making promises to you. So I don't know if any of you have ever been in this situation or even are in this situation right now. But honestly, usually in scripture, Egypt really kind of stands for sin. And so when it says that they were, they were under a burden, this is not the burden of just a, a difficult job or, or a, a, a tough marriage or a difficult relational issues. No, this is the burden of sin. And sin is like that. It is, it's, it's like a trap where, where, you, where you try it out and, you, and it's comfortable and, it's, and it feels good and it meets your need for a time like it did for Joseph. But pretty soon the enemy entraps you and ensnares you. The place that was comfortable to you becomes a coffin to you. 
don't know if anyone's ever noticed that at all about sin. That it, it, it keeps you longer than you want to stay. It costs you more than you intended on paying. And this is the great burden of sin. And so when I, when I see this promise of God, he promises to his people, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I see this as a promise throughout all ages that God is ready. If there's anyone who's burdened by sin right now, if there's anybody who's trapped by addiction, there's a promise of God that he will bring you out. He will take you out. This promise is first off to uh, very muddy people. <laughs> and I believe the church of Jesus Christ ought to be a church that is a church for muddy people, for people with dirt on their feet, on their knees, on their waist, on their hands, people that are covered. I, I was searching through. I was going to show you some pics of like muddy, muddy people. But anyway, we didn't, we didn't have time to get into all that. Uh, but no, the, the church ought to be. For messed up people, the church ought to be a place for people who are burdened with sin, who are heavy with sin. And City Chapel, by the way, has been and always will be a house that is welcoming and desiring for people who have sin in their life to come to our church. We're not praying for people with a lot of money. We're not praying for rich people. We're not praying for, now if you have money, cool, you're welcome uh, to come and to join. I hope you got that giving card. Check it out. Uh, but but, but our, our, our main prayer has been God send us people who are dirty and messed up in their life. That's been our prayer. God, send us people who are muddy. Send us some muddy people because that's who this promise applies to. This promise doesn't apply to people who are self-sufficient, who are happy with themselves, who feel like they got it all together, who feel like their, their life goals are on track. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a bad thing. If, if you're at that place, wonderful. But I'm telling you, whenever you reach the place that you are tired of your sin, you're tired of your addictions, you're tired of the mess, and you want God to remove the burden off of your shoulders, come see me because I know, I know a guy. And I, like, this is who we are called to love. This is who we are called to reach. We're, we're not like trying to be a better church than the other church down the street so that the people at that church will start coming to our church. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, this is not what the church is about. This, this is for muddy people. This is for people who are, who are worked ruthlessly by the enemy. People who can't, don't have any capacity for hope. I was talking to somebody this week, and they were telling me about how they went um, on an extended mission trip. And, it was, and it's, a, it's an old friend of mine. They went for a year uh, to this other country. I think it was in Central America. And they were there to help and support this other missionary family that was there that had planted a church there and that they were working the church. And so, so my friend got to talking to somebody from the, from the community, a small community in Central America, and uh, he was a gang member. And uh, he said, man, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to come to your church. But what you're telling me about Jesus sounds really interesting. Would you come and tell my other brothers in the gang about Jesus? And so my friend was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And so my friend thought he'd check in with the, with the missionary pastor first and just say, hey, so this is what I'm thinking. You know, what do you think? And, and, and the missionary said no. And my friend was like, well, why? And he said, well, because we don't want those people coming to our church. <laughs> because we want our church to be a safe place. 
<laughs> and I said, Wait, did, 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 did Livingston say that as he marched through Africa? Did Jim Elliott, like, I think we want to create a safe place. No, like, they, well, what about the cannibals? What about the gang members? What about, like, who's going to love them? If we're so consumed and, con and concerned about making sure that our church is safe? <laughs> they, man, that's not a church. That's a coffin. Like you're, you're creating, you're, you're, you're recreating American safe Christianity just in another culture. And you're teaching people that some people, I guess they just shouldn't be allowed in because they got issues. I was talking to somebody else. Yeah, really, check your own feet. <laughs> you, got, you, you don't like someone else's mud? Check out, check, check your own feet. You track something in. I'll tell you what, you track some stuff in. You got, we all have a little bit of mud going on. I was talking to somebody else a while back and I was talking to them about, about homosexuality. It's a hot topic. And uh, how Jesus, uh, how Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, but without sin. And, and this person I was talking to said, oh, well, he wasn't tempted by that. And I said, what? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the Bible says he was tempted in every way, but it actually means he was tempted in ways that you can relate to. <laughs> no, man, he was tempted in every... Well, how? I don't know how. The Gospels don't tell us. I wasn't there. I have no idea what that... I mean, I don't know how that works out, that he was tempted in every way that we are but without sin, I don't understand. But what I do understand is that when I sit down with people who are struggling with homosexuality and same-sex attraction, I can look them in the eye and tell them, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows what you feel. He can empathize with your weakness, your weakness, your weakness, your weakness, your weakness. He can empathize with us. So I, my weakness, like he can empathize. He knows what I'm struggling with. And if we, can, if we eliminate people who we think are too muddy or their type of mud is the kind of mud that we've never dealt with, then what we do is we eliminate people who are prime candidates. It's the muddy people that Jesus is talking to. It's the woman at the well that Jesus is spending time with. He's not hanging out. With, 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 with the religious elite. He's not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not engaging in theological debates all the time. He's usually sitting, loving people who are messed up, who are muddy. And so City Chapel, if you're new here and you're wondering what kind of church we are, we are the kind of church that loves muddy people that welcome in muddy people. We don't, we don't make you hose off before you come in. <laughs> And so because of that, if, you, if, if, if other people's mud bothers you, <laughs> yeah, check your shoes. But two, we'll love that mud of judgmentalism that you have, too. And we'll just, we'll, just, we'll just let you sit here and judge and judge and judge. And we'll walk with you and we'll challenge you on it. Because Jesus was tempted by that, too. <laughs> he was tempted to be judgmental. He knows what it is to be religious. He knows what it is to feel like he's better than other people, to be tempted by that. So welcome in. Your mud's cool. But it's not, but he doesn't leave us muddy. He doesn't leave people in the mud. He doesn't, he doesn't validate their mud, approve their mud. 
He doesn't, he doesn't get you know, the, the, all the elders together to vote on perhaps that mud is now not muddy anymore. We should, just, we should just let people live in that mud. No, that's not what he does. He says, I am the Lord and I will remove, I will take you out from under the burden, out from under the mud. I have an ancient uh, cave drawing that I found on, uh, uh, found on the internet. And uh, this is like from, from the Egypt times, Egyptian times. This is people brick making. This is, is kind of what they described it as. And it's interesting, you see them, you know, working, making the walls, digging within the mud, and then the back baskets, burdens on top of their shoulders. These are the people that City Chapel loves to minister to. These are the people that City Chapel is, we are spending our time trying to find. These are the people that we're after. Because these are the people that God is desiring to reveal his will for them. He says, I will bring you out. You have addictions, I will bring you out. You have bondage, I will bring you out. You have generational curses, I will bring you out. You, you, you have self-doubt, I will bring you out. You have sexual perversion, I will bring you out. You have, you have an addiction to some kind of substance, I will bring you out. You have suicidal thoughts, I will bring you out. This is, this, is, this is to those who, who, are, who are burdened down, who are weighed down by sin. Sin of their past, sin of their present, fear of the future. We're talking about people who are burdened down. And, and the voice of God, he says, he says, I will bring you out. So he's, first off, he's calling to muddy people. It's important to understand who this promise is to. It is to people who have been in the mud and all of us have been through some mud. So it is applicable to all of us. It's a beautiful promise of God to all of us that he, he extends to us. And then it's also, it's a promise to those who are burdened. And so you see the baskets there. And it's interesting. It's just interesting to me just as, 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 as I look at the picture and I imagine that they are made to carry their mud. They're made to carry what they've been cultivating in the field, what they've been wading through, what they've been uh, exhausted by, what has been just literally like the heat and the sweat and the work, all of that, that they have been waddling in, just wading in. Then they're made to carry it because that's what happens with sin. What What you sit in, you end up carrying. You take from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, from one church to another church to another church. You, you carry the mud with you. You carry the weight of it. And this is why, this is why sin is, is, is so powerful. It's not just a thing that you do at a moment and then let go of it and walk away. You take it on yourself. And this is why it gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Because it's not just an activity you're participating in. But as you participate, you are then made to carry. This is the cost of sin. It stacks up. It builds up. And it gets heavier as you go. 
It gets, it gets more burdensome. And so they're made to carry what they've been cultivating and they've been carrying it for so long. And God's promise to them is, I'll take you out from under what you've been carrying. You don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to walk around with that anymore. That doesn't have to define you anymore. That doesn't, when people see you, that doesn't have to be the first thing they see about you anymore. And as you go through your life, it doesn't have to be the extra weight that's over your shoulders. And actually, that drawing's kind of little. A lot of, the, a lot of the guys that I saw, I saw some YouTube videos of guys making bricks nowadays. And then they, they have a, a board, and they put it on their head, and then they stack the bricks on top of the board. I mean, as far as their arms can reach, my arm's a little short, but anyway. Like they, so they, they put their arms on top of the stack of bricks on both sides, both hands. And then they, then they carry them from where they are over here. So there's a lot of just pressing down. But I have good news for you. God wants to relieve you from that. In 2023, I just feel like that's, that's something that God wants to do for somebody here. He wants to remove the weight that you carried throughout 2022, 21, 2020. You've been walking around with this burden. And he says, no, in 2023, I'm going to remove that from you. I'm going to take you out from under. You're going to stop being under. You're going to stop being under it. It may have happened to you, but you don't have to be under it. It may have been part of your history, but you don't have to be under it. You can, you can walk away from it. You can leave it. You can set it down. And by the way, this is something that God says he will do. This is why New Year's resolutions don't really work, because that's something that you try to do. Right? So it's like, so okay, yeah, 2023, I'm going to lay down my mud. Good luck with that. <laughs> this is not the promise of God. That, you know, I am the Lord and you shall lay down thy mud. No, he says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under. You cannot bring yourself out from under. If you could have, you would have by now. <laughs> you dislike it enough. You hate it enough. You, you, it, it's bothering you. It's messed up your life enough. You, surely by now, if you could have got out from under it, you would have. You would have decided long ago, this, forget this. This isn't working for me. But it's not that it's always working for you. Sometimes you're trapped by sin. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. You don't get to tell your master no. It's not how slavery works. <laughs> it's not how any of that works. And that's why God says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. He says, I am going to do something for you you cannot do for yourself. I am going to do something for you that you want to do. And if you had the power to do, you certainly would do. But you do not have the power to free yourself from that addiction, from that sin, from that mindset, from that depression, from that anxiety, from that, from that judgmentalism. You do not have the power to free yourself. And so he says, I will. And that's why it's kind of cool that the whole, all four of the promises start with this proclamation. God says, I am the Lord. Right? That's how he starts the whole thing. He's like, hey, by the way, I'm about to give you some promises that seem pretty crazy and incredible and unbelievable. But let me just start off by saying, I am the Lord. <laughs> not you, not Pharaoh, not the president of the United States. I am the Lord. It's not dependent. And the word Lord here is Jehovah, which means the self-existent one. The one who exists by himself. The one who doesn't lean on anybody or need anybody or rely on anybody. 
right? The one who has never been enslaved to anything and never even needed anybody. And so the self-existent one, he says, look, I am self-existent. And because I exist within myself, I actually have the power to extend to you. I can bring you out. You can't bring yourself out because you're dependent on so many things. You're dependent on your hormones, for instance. Come on, ladies. You're dependent on your job, guys. <laughs> Testosterone, let's go. Guys aren't as dependent on it, though. Football doing so well I was doing so well <laughs> yeah really yeah if you want to if you want to push buttons if you wanna, just it's just a class on if you want to push buttons talk talk to Lou about the Cowboys that's what you do you, you, after they lose go up to him and say how how about them boys that's what you do if you want to push buttons I'm saying I don't I don't you know I'm saying if you want to push buttons. <laughs> And talk, to, and, 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 and talk to ladies about hormones. That's, that's how you do it. <laughs> but if you think that you're in control, for instance, if you think you're in control, wait until your hormones do this. And then tell me how in control you are. We like the illusion of control. And we like preachers who pretend that we have the power to do those things and to have that control. I'm just trying to be honest with you. You don't have the power. You don't have the power to fix anything in your life. Now, wisdom will go a long way, and some of you could use a little bit. <laughs> but, you don't, but it doesn't give you the power to fix everything. Oh man, doesn't that give you the power to fix your hormones, for instance? It doesn't give you the power to fix your relationships? It doesn't give you the power to, to create wealth? This is, why, this is why the wisest people in the world will tell you, like the, the richest people in the world, if you interview like super mega rich people, ask them, how did you get rich? They'll say, well, I got lucky. Because the smartest people, the richest people recognize they didn't do it. Right? And the, the greatest Christians you've ever met, if you ask them, how did you get to where you are? They're not going to tell you some seven-step plan of, the, of how disciplined they were and blah, blah. They're going to tell you about the grace of God. You ever talk to old saints that been living a while? More than five minutes, been saved, and maybe 30 years have been walking with God? And you ask them, how did you do it? How did, you, how did you stay married? How did you love your kids when they got, went crazy? How did, how did you do it? They're not going to hand you a self-help book. Because <laughs> they didn't even read those. They relied on the Holy Spirit. They leaned on the grace of God. They read the promises of God and they believed them. That's what is needed. Not your action, but your faith. God's not looking for you to step up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get rid of all this mud. No, he's asking you to believe that he is able. He's asking you to believe that he can do it. And so the question here is not, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can sustain it. I don't know if I can stay mud free. No, this is not about you. You didn't clean yourself off. You're not going to stay clean by yourself. It is the grace of God. The question is, can God bring you out? 
Can God clean you up? Can God keep you clean? Can he keep that which is committed unto him against that day? Are you persuaded that God is self-existent? God is able. This is the great question. This is why it's a faith thing. It's not even an acts an action thing. It's a faith thing. It's a thing inside of your heart that I believe God is able and I'm going to then make action steps in that direction because of what I believe. God is able, therefore, I'm going to come out. It's an interesting passage in uh, uh, Psalm 81. And uh, this is talking back about the time in Egypt. And, and uh, Psalm 81 verse 5, I think we have it on the screen, says, When God went out against Egypt, he established it as a statute for Joseph. Uh, and in other words, he set this up for generations. He said, I heard an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. In your distress, you called and I rescued you. This is what, this is the promise of God for what we would call, well, what they call the cup of sanctification, but I would call the cup of salvation. Because really sanctification means to be uh, set apart or taken out of, out from under and placed in a, in a better place, in a relationship with God. I believe that's salvation this is what we would call it. This is the promise of God to you. If you are walking into 2023 with burdens, if you're under the weight of sin, whether that sin is, you know, uh, uh, something that people think is awful or whether it's something that you have grown to think is normal. Because <laughs> it's kind of both. There's stuff people think is just, oh, I, I, I would never struggle with that. And it's like, okay. There's also stuff that judgmental spirits that just hang out in church for decades. And nobody ever thinks it's, it's weird. But if you're under it, there's a promise of God. He said, I, I, I removed the burden from their shoulders. And their hands were set free from the basket. So God's not trying to simply give you a better basket, a better way to carry your mud, right? Salvation isn't just a, a more guilt-free way of, 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 of having these burdens. No, salvation is where God takes the burden off of your shoulders. You don't carry it anymore. You release it. You lay it down. In fact, Scripture says that Jesus took on his body our sin. He took our mud on him. And then he was crucified on the cross so that we could die to that mud. So that his body died with all of our mud on him. So that then we could let that mud get buried. We could release it. To the cross. So if you're here today, I, I just like to pray with you right now and just open that up, open up that promise to you. Just hold it out to you. God has a promise to bring you out. It doesn't matter how long you've been under, what you're under, it doesn't matter what you're under. God can bring you out. The question is, can you believe that He is able to do that? I believe that He is, but it's important that you believe that He is. Faith is, is, the, is the connecting point that you have with God. So I'd like to just take a minute and just 
let's go to the Lord right now. And Father, I pray that you would activate our faith. That you would give us the gift of faith. Give us the gift of faith. Some, some of us are so burdened down that it's really hard for us to look up. It's really hard for us to believe the promises of God. But this first one is so important. If we don't get this first one, we'll never get the others. Because this first one is, is, is the beginning where, where you are promising to take us out from under these burdens. The burden of sin, the burden of doubt, the burden of, 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 of oppression from the enemy. You don't want us to live under that. And you offer freedom to us. It's interesting how they how they went out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He had them uh, gather together and kill a lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on their doorposts. And then they had a cup of wine. They drank. They ate, and he said, you have to eat it all. You have to eat it quickly. If you have some left over, you got to share it with your neighbors because it's not just about you. It's about those who live around you. And that's what the Passover meal is. It's a remembrance of that night when God brought them out from under. How did he do it? Well, he did it ultimately through blood through the blood of the lamb. And so now we don't kill animals, but we believe that Jesus was killed and that his blood is powerful enough to take us out from under the burden of the Egyptians, the burden of Satan, the burden of sin. And so if you want to put faith in that, if you want to believe that, would you just raise your hand and let me know that I am putting my faith in that. I'm coming out from under. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool, you can put your hands down. Would you just pray with me? I don't have any particular special words or anything. But I would say, dear God, I'm under a burden of sin. I cannot get out on my own. But I believe that you are able to take me out from this burden. Yeah, Lord, we choose to believe that you are the Lord. Father, forgive us for being our own lords. Forgive us for electing lords. Forgive us for marrying lords, raising lords, little, little lords that we bow down to. Forgive us for working for lords. trying to find our freedom in so many ways. But you are the Lord. We come back to you. We acknowledge that you are the Lord, that nothing is too hard for you, that nothing is beyond you. Nothing is too little for you. You are perfectly able to bring us out 
And so we put our faith in you. We believe that you're able. We believe that you're willing and that you desire. This is an I will thing. It's not a we will. It's an I will. God takes full responsibility for bringing us out. All he asks is that we believe. And so, Father, right now we do. We believe that you're able to take us out. And what's interesting is when they went out, they were chased. You'll probably be chased. Can you keep believing even while you're being chased? (laughs) Can you maintain that faith? Father, we ask for you to strengthen our faith. And we do. We ask for you to take each and every one of these individuals out from under the burden that they're on. That's on top of them. Take them out. Set them free. Show yourself powerful on their behalf. Do for them what they can't do for themselves. Reveal your strength and your might in them. And your power. The 2023 be a lighter year. (laughs) A more joyful year. A free year. Where we're not being dictated to by our masters, slaves. But where we are coming under a beautiful bondservant situation with God. We choose to serve him and we choose to walk with him. And his yoke is not heavy and his burden isn't light. Or his burden is light. It's, it's not heavy. And so we come under that. We want that. We, wanna, we wanna, want that kind of covenant relationship. And so we invite Jesus into our heart. We invite him into our minds, into our lives into our relationships, into our workplace, into our future plans. Jesus, come be Lord, be in charge, be the boss. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Yo, all right. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you want. We allow that. We allow that around here. Um, yeah, feel free to hang out, stick around as long as you like. We will be uh, in prayer tomorrow night at Alan and Michelle's house. If uh, you could just put that slide up, that'd be great. They can scan the prayer and fasting uh, slide anytime they want. Um, otherwise, have a great week. Uh, we'll be here Wednesday night for worship and prayer as well. You're dismissed.